This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Next on Plains FM, we have Polish culture and traditions on Polish Waves. Between the Waters, Polish Legacy in New Zealand Charitable Trust presents you with the radio broadcast, Polish Waves. Dzień dobry from Poland. My name is Kuba and you're listening to Polish Waves on Plains FM. Welcome to our March program. This month's program, we will talk about Tunes of Hope. And we will share with you some interesting facts on Eastern European history. We represent Between the Waters Polish Legacy New Zealand Trust. We advocate and promote Polish heritage as part of New Zealand ethnic identity and provide forum to present, share and celebrate Polish uniqueness. You can look us up on Facebook Between the Waters Polish Legacy New Zealand. So, welcome to our February broadcast. We have Kuba, Emilka and Sylvia. Dorota and Tom. Welcome to Match Program. How are you, Tom? Good, thank you, Dorota. How are you? Good, good. We also have in the studio today, recording with us, Emilia, Kuba, Sylvia. Um, and we, this month, are going to bring to you a handful of interesting facts uh, in the line of world's harmony and hope. So here's, here's Sylvia with Emilia and Kuba on the most famous Polish Mazurka. Yesterday I had a very interesting, if only a bit odd, conversation with one of my friends. Um, Why was it odd? Well, it was, it was odd. I suppose it was odd because she, she came up to me very randomly and, and said that she really loves our national song. Ooh. And I was quite confused. I was like, what? Come again? Um, and she started explaining to me how it's, how it's so vibrant. Um, 
And I asked her, well, do you mean the Polish anthem of Poland? Mm. And she's like, yeah, yeah. It, it makes me want to be energetic and proud. So and that's, a, that's I, a good feeling, actually, I guess you know. Like it is quite a vibrant song. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and I, I kind of questioned, like, are we really having this conversation? Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was really, yeah, she explained that she was, it was really hopscotchy <laughs> and very, very vibrant. That's a good expression, hopscotchy, yeah. because it's a, like a kind of a rhythm of mazurka, so maybe that's why she went hopscotchy, because mm. you just, you want to just stand up and really dance, that's true, yeah. And I guess, yeah, so she meant it probably in the upbeat melody of the mm. lively mazurka, and that's our national song. And it really does make you want to get up and dance. And it's because it was meant to be cheerful and uplifting. So you see, when it was written back in 1797, two years after the third partition of Poland, people were gloomy and depressed. And the soldiers that were serving in the Polish legions under the general Jan Henryk Dąbrowski were even more depressed. No, no wonder, you know, you probably don't really <laughs> so, wonder why. <laughs> I, guess, I guess they needed a happy song mm. to boost their morale and cheer them up. And it definitely did. The Polish legions were part of the French Revolutionary Army, which was led by Napoleon Bonaparte in his conquest of Italy. So the happy song was needed to remind the soldiers that even though the country of Poland had ceased to exist, the idea of Poland had not. So you can imagine it soon became a hugely popular patriotic song. And then when Poland did reappear on the map of Europe, the song was officially adopted as the national anthem in 1926. <laughs> the lyrics were written by a Polish poet, Józef Wybicki. He wasn't just any poet. He was also a general and a political figure. But you have to admit, the man had a way with his words. The lyrics are quite simple, but oddly powerful. I just read the whole thing on the internet. Because there's most Poles, I only know the first verse by heart. Yeah, yeah because you sing this, you know, the, the most often, you know, that's why. Yeah. But don't worry, I'm not going to sing it. I'm sure others can do it much, much better. But you can try it. <laughs> okay, so just um, let's listen.
now that we've heard the song, um, I guess it'd be good if we break it down for you. Um, it's important to note that the English translation of the Polish anthem is by Daves and Kendall. Um, so, Kuba, do you want to start off with the Polish and then I'll yeah. translate? And the chorus, Definitely, the sure. first verse. So and the, the I'll chorus. say the first mm-hmm. verse and then the chorus in Polish. Jeszcze Polska nie zginęła, kiedy my żyjemy. Co nam obca przemoc wzięła, szablą odbierzemy. Marsz, marsz, Dąbrowski, z ziemi włoskiej do Polski. Za twoim przewodem złączym się z narodem. And now in English it goes, Poland has not perished yet, so long as we live. That which alien force has seized, we at spare point shall retrieve. March, march, Dąbrowski, from Italy to Poland, let us now rejoin the nation under thy command. Second verse in Polish. Przejdziem Wisłę, przejdziem Warte, będziem Polakami. Dał nam przykład Bonaparte, jak zwyciężyć mamy. Cross the Vistula and Warte, and Poles we shall be. We've been shown by Bonaparte ways to victory. Jak Czarniecki do Poznania, po szwedzkim zaborze, dla ojczyzny ratowanie, wrócim się przez morze. Like Czarniecki, Poznan regains, fighting with the Swede, we, to free our farmland from chains, we shall return by sea. Już tam ojciec do swej basi, mówi zapłakany, słuchaj jeno, pono nasi, biją w tarabany. Father, in tears, says to his basha, Just listen. It seems that our people are beating the drums. Marsz, marsz, Dąbrowski, z ziemi włoskiej do Polski, za twoim przewodem złączym się z narodem. Marsz, marsz, Dąbrowski, from Italy to Poland, let us now rejoin the nation under thy command. Beautiful. <laughs> Don't you think? I always yeah. have a tears in my eyes when yeah. I hear it. And even saying it and, and listening to the, the, the words, it's just really... Uh, I guess it is very really cheerful and up, mm. up, uplifting. I think the lyrics, even, the lyrics are a little bit sad, but I guess that's like understandable given the time that it was written. But um, I think the just the melody is the thing that kind of uplifts people as well, that... Mm. The fact that it's so upbeat. And it worked for the soldiers as well, so I yeah. guess it's going to work for us too. Great. Just like any other country, um, national anthem, or in Polish, hymn narodowy, is sung during very like important national holidays and games and schools or other, uh, other occasions, such as the Olympics. Um, yeah, so I guess just going more deeply into the history of the Polish national anthem, Mazurek Dąbrowskiego, it's, it was actually also a lively folk dance with patriotic words written shortly after the country lost its independence in a series of um, partitions by Austria, Russia and Prussia. It was actually created between 16th and 19th of July in 1795 and what's interesting is that it actually was written in Italy on the occasion of the departure of the Polish 
legions led by General Jan Hendrik Dombrovsky to fight in the Napoleonic Wars. So yeah, that's just, I guess, a more in-depth history of um, where the song and the national anthem came from. Another interesting fact about the Polish national anthem is that it was actually called Song of the Polish Legions in Italy. And um, it was actually written by Józef Wimbicki, which was Dombrowski's close associate. And um, another thing to mention was that when it was written, like the lyrics were very powerful for the soldiers at the time, especially the verse, Poland's not dead as long as we live, which um, even for me is like quite a powerful verse or a powerful line, um, even in this time. And I can't imagine what it would have been like for them at the time because Poland wasn't even, it didn't even exist, exist. like mm -hmm. on the map. So yeah, I guess. Um, but they felt that they can actually kind of, you know, um, make it um, present and, and, and feel like they do have a country because they mm -hmm. are Polish Poles kind of fighting for the land and, and wanting to Poland to be again on our maps. Mm -hmm. And I just love the way that it, I guess it's written because just the fact that it not only was powerful back then, but it's still powerful for us now, I think is because we really hold that history to heart because obviously no one would want their country to disappear from the map. You know, that's quite a sensitive, yes. Yeah, and no one thing. would like to have it, their country taken yeah like without asking so it's actually really really powerful especially mm. at the moment when we witness uh, a lot of mm. uh, this situation going on uh, in the other part of the world it's still very very uh sensitive for us and we just kind of feel it for 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 the ukrainian people because we know what it what it means to yeah. actually lost country or being invaded by 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 other countries so yeah. especially now i think the the meaning of the words um are very powerful definitely yeah even at this time especially in this time mm. i think they'll be powerful for a very long time yeah. hopefully I, yes. I don't think they will die out yeah, yeah. yeah. i think yeah them. we've got this patriot patriotism in <laughs> patriotism in our, in our in our blood <laughs> so we are very similar to uh in uh, to, to ukrainian people because we we want to fight for our country and yeah. we never give up this yeah. is what we actually do as a, as a poles mm. and that's why i think it's great that your friend um was like oh i listened mm. to the polish anthem and like read yeah. the lyrics because I guess it could also be written as a poem. It's kind of just like a poem of strength and a poem of not all hope is lost, even mm. when it seems so at this time or any time. And adding music to this, it's even yeah. even yeah. nicer, better. Yeah, works well together. I guess the melody mm. and the lyrics. It's very very uplifting. So as we already learn about the historical background of um, Polish national anthem. Uh, we now I would like to actually introduce a little bit uh, closer uh, our author of this national anthem uh, and we're talking about him because actually this year the lower house of Poland's parliament has passed a resolution to designate this year 2022 as the year of Józef Wybicki 
whose popular patriotic song Dąbrowski Mazurka, Mazurek Dąbrowskiego, was adopted as the national anthem in the 1920s. So who was the author? Who was the Józef Wybicki? So Józef Rufin Wybicki, he was born on 29th September 1747 and died in March 19, 1822. He was a Polish poet, political and military activist. He is best remembered as the author, of course, of the Mazurek Dąbrowskiego, Dąbrowski's Mazurka, which in 1927 was adopted as the Polish national anthem. He was born in Bendomin, in the region of Pomerania, in the Polish Lithuanian Commonwealth. His family was Pomeranian nobility. He finished a Jesuit school and in his youth he was a junior court official. Wybicki was elected a deputy of the Hrebnin Sejm, the session of Polish Parliament in 1767, on the eve of the first partition of Poland. Subsequently he joined the insurgency known as the Confederation of Bar aimed at opposing, opposing the Russian influence and King Stanisław August Poniatowski. He was one of the advisors of the Confederacy, acting as a diplomat. After the failure of the uprising, he spent some time in the Netherlands studying law at the Leiden University. Uh, when he returned to Poland in 1770 and um, uh, 1780, he was associated with uh, the Commission of National Education. He supported King Stanisław August Poniatowski and his proposed reforms. He helped draft the Liberal Zamoyski Codex of Law of the late 1770s. He was a Patriotic Party activist during the Great Sejm, which was uh, from 1788 to 1792. Though he was not one of um, its first deputies, during much of that time staying at his estate, writing and staging operas. He did, however, participate in the Great Sejm's deliberations, beginning in 1791. In 1792, in the aftermath of the Polish-Russian War of 1792, like many of Poniatowski's supporters, he joined the Targowica Confederation. He participated in the Kościuszko Uprising 1794 and was a member of the military section of the Provisional Council of the Ducking of Marsovia. After Duchy of Marsovia, Masovia. After the failure of this insurrection, he moved to France. He was a close friend of both Tadeusz Kościuszko and Jan Hendrik Dąbrowski. With Dąbrowski, he organized the Polish legions in Italy, serving under Napoleon Bonaparte. In 1797, while the Reggio Emilia, Italy, he actually wrote Mazurek Dąbrowskiego, Dąbrowski Mazurek. 
In 1806, he helped Dombrowski organize the Greater Poland Uprising. After the creation of the Duchy of Warsaw in 1807, he held a number of positions in its Department of Justice and continued working for it after the Duchy's transformation into Congress Poland. In 1817, he became president of the Supreme Court of Congress Poland. He died on 10th of March 1822 in Manieczki. Uh, that was the part of the Grand Duchy of Posen, Prussia. Wybicki was a writer, journalist and poet. He wrote political themed poems plays and political treaties advocating reforms in Poland in the 1770s and 1780s. His works of that time analyzed the Polish political system, the concepts of liberty and advocated for more rights for the peasantry. He would also publish more political brochures in the 1800s advocating for liberal reforms in the Duchy of Warsaw. Mazurek Dąbrowskiego, Dąbrowski's Mazurka, remains Wybicki's most famous creation. It has been regarded as an unofficial national anthem since a November uprising of 1831. But in 1927, the Mazurka was officially adopted as the Polish national anthem by the Polish Parliament. So that was his very, very um, rich history. So he was really, as we can, we could hear it, he was really involved in, in a political and um, actually on a also law uh, side of the work of for Poland. And um, he was trying to do his best and using all his talents to actually for the benefit of Poland at his uh, lifetime. Welcome back. Now, here's Tom with his piece on harmony and hope. Over to you. Thank you, Dorota. Uh, Speaking about anthems, uh, anthem of Ukraine. The the anthem of Ukraine starts with the words, glory and freedom of Ukraine has not yet perished. And that is known as state anthem of Ukraine. It's very interesting Um, And very important to know that Anthem of Ukraine was the patriotic poem written in 1862 by Ukrainian poet Pavlo Shubansky and prominent ethnographer from Kiev. In 1863, Makiewo Verbinski, a Western Ukrainian composer and Greek Catholic priest, composed the music. But most importantly for us as a Poles is to know that the Ukrainian national anthem was based on Polish national anthem. 
Yeah, there were some similarities in wording and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, exp- it's expressing, same like Polish anthem, it's expressing uh, the hope. Um, patriotism. Patriotism, the willing to fight for freedom of our country. Mm. Um, and determination of, of the nation. Oh, of the nation, yeah. It has the same rum, mm. and no, uh, the music is quite similar too. Mm. Um, but it's also not uh, important to know that that anthem was uh, only officially declared as a national anthem in 1917, mm-hmm. and it was declared at the time when the Ukrainian People's Republic was proclaimed together with Western Ukrainian uh, People's Republic. During the Soviet Union times, the song was forbidden. Oh. Yes. Well, so, um, and we'll talk about a little bit later about how difficult it was for Ukrainians to come up with their, with their own nationality and declare own nationality inside the uh, Soviet Union. But mm. uh, yes, it was actually forbidden. And then on 15th on January 1992, um, when it was officially adopted by government of Ukraine as a Ukraine national anthem. So here is a Ukrainian national anthem sang in Polish language. Jeszcze nie umarła Ukraina, ni chwała, ni wolność, lecz złe czasy wkrótce miną. I będziemy rządzić W swoim kraju my zapanujemy Odmienią się losy A wrogowie nasi zginą Jak na słońcu rosa Duże ciało poświęcimy Za naszą swobodę Kozackiego rodu Dusze ciało poświęcimy Za naszą swobodę Pokażemy, że jesteśmy Kozackiego rodu Ukrainian anthem. Uh, I have to mention an, an event that took place um, on March um, the third, and I would like to take you to Krakow for that event. Um, I don't know if you know, but it's worth mentioning that in Krakow, in St Mary's Basilica, we have a, a very famous trumpet call uh, played every hour on the hour for centuries now. Um, this is the call that is recognized by every single Pole, no matter where they live. Not um, only in Poland, but also across Poland. the world. Yeah, everywhere, I, I would imagine. So that it, it is a, quite an important uh, a call that we played some time ago in our program. However, um, on March the 3rd, uh, in the unity and... Um, support. As, as a gesture of support, symbolic gesture of support for the Ukrainian people, on at midday, that trumpet call, trumpet call, very famous trumpet Polish trumpet call has been replaced by the tune of uh, Ukrainian anthem. 
Um, it was a symbolic gesture of our solidarity and it was quite moving. Uh, a lot v of people were supportive moving. of it. Very moving and uh, very, very symbolic uh, for us both. Yeah. Um, to continue on the topic, here's Tom uh, with some um, information, some historical facts uh, uh, on the history between um, Ukraine and Poland. Thank you, Dorota. I will start with the, with the explanation where the word Ukraine comes from. I don't know. Okay, so let me explain to you. Um, many people think that word Ukraine means uh, land which is on the borders of larger land, which is that sort of, um, it's a border, border place. It doesn't refer to to place as a homeland, as a country. But the word comes from an old Russian language and means our land, uh, homeland. And the word you, Ukraine, means our land. In com opposite uh, word Chuzbina, which is, the, we're talking you, Ukraina, uh, in Polish language, but um, there's another word called Chuzbina, which means of foreign land. So it is uh, definitely a word uh, which refers to to our land, our homeland, and this is very important to say at the time when millions of Ukrainians fighting uh, inside that country. It is also worth mentioning that our languages are similar, so for Poles, Kraina is, is land, is and land. that's exactly, exactly what it means. So Ukraina, our Ukraina, our land. Yes, it, hmm. that, that is the meaning of that word. And that word, in reference to land, was used um, since the uh, 12th century in a country called Kiev Rus, which was the starting point for, for, for the Ukrainian uh, sort of, not nation, but a country. That's where the, where the Ukraine started for, when it was built in the Kiev Rus. And uh, that word was referring to every land between Kiev Rus and Polish border over the uh, over the centuries. So word is very old, despite what some people saying that that country uh, didn't exist and doesn't have a really own language. Also, it's very uh, important for me to say that in reference to um, state, the word Ukraine was used uh, first time in 1917 when Ukrainian People's Republic was formed uh, and then again was used in 1991 when the current state declared uh, uh, independence, yes. How difficult it was for Ukrainians to preserve that word uh, will be the story I also want to add to, 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 to what I'm saying. In, on 13th of May, 1876, uh, the Russian Tsar uh, declared, uh, produced a um, sort of law, but the law came up, which was forbidding using Ukrainian uh, words, language, um, in, in the Ukrainian territory. And what the Russians did at the time, they removed um, language from everywhere. That was in, on May 30, uh, 30th, uh, 1876. They have removed all teachers from Ukrainian schools, they, from universities, they removed all uh, Ukrainian language from, from, uh, from arts, from everywhere. And that law was in place until 1908. So it was, it was 
specific attempt to remove the Ukrainian, the word Ukraine and the Ukrainian language from, from the life of Ukrainian people. Only in 1930, that law was changed. So it was a fairly long time, and all that happened in, uh, in, uh, in our times, almost. So, um, going back to, to uh, what I said, uh, the Ukraine now uh, is an independent country, with a, uh, using that word, and yeah, just in summary, that's where that word came from. And we have a lot of similarities uh, because we, we, first of all, we border uh, Poland and Ukraine, and and obviously the history is uh, is similar. We were fighting for for freedom, for um, for our language, for for our state, for a long, long time, and so were Ukrainians. So, so, so perhaps, existence, um, yeah. yeah. So perhaps that's why our anthems are, are so similar in, in in expressing that fight for freedom and that uh, that togetherness and solidarity as such. So so yeah, here we are. So nowadays, uh, Ukraine, uh, obviously we all know, is uh, placed in Eastern Europe. It's the second largest country by area in Europe after Russia. Uh, Ukraine has uh, 43 million citizens and with regards to population, it's the eighth the largest country in Europe. The capital, Kiev, and as we know, uh, now going through very difficult times. The golden age, age of Ukraine starts with uh, Vladimir the Great, the, quite often called as a founder of, of uh, current Ukraine, who turned Rus towards Christianity. Until 12th century, Ukraine was the, the powerful uh, country with a border stretching from Baltic Sea to Black Sea. Um, it was the cultural development and military power which was very uh, known, very well known uh, for that country. But then with the Mongolians invading uh, Europe, uh, Ukraine uh, lost its power, was uh, divided, part of the, the, the country joined Lithuania, Russia, Poland. And uh, over the next 600 years, the borders were shifting from south to north, from east to to West, uh, and Ukrainians were fighting for independence and recognitions through different uprisings. The first um, uh, time in the uh, 20th century, Ukraine became independent again on 23rd of June 1917, but it was a very short-lived state, which was then um, sort of uh, taken by Soviet Union, saying that in a few words, and was and regained the independence only in 1991. So the Ukraine then declared themselves being neutral states and was trying to maintain a good relationship with Russia as well as with the NATO countries. So how that sort of plays out, as opposed historically speaking, uh, with Ukraine? Well, we had a. In general, we had a, at the beginning, we had a quite good relationships, but the, the first uh, date when uh, sort of Ukrainians tried to invade us and took one of the cities from us was 1981, but our king uh, took it back, so we, we are even on that point. Um, that was uh, what we call Grody Czerwinskie. Uh, it were, it were uh, small towns on the border with, with Ukraine, sort of Ukraine and Poland. But 
overall, uh, we took part as a Poles in partition of Ukraine. So um, our uh, Ukraine, what we know uh, for us Poles, was in our sort of inside our borders for next 600 years. Uh, then um, it was um, it was again very uh, time when things different things happen, uprisings and good times, bad times. And then uh, came the 20th century uh, when Pol uh, Poland gained the independence. Um, Polish government's policy towards autonomy for Ukrainians was to integrate uh, Ukrainians to Polish, um, Polish society. It was not accepted by all Ukrainians at the time. And then the Second World War started, uh, which was again uh, a war which affected all of us across all borders. Uh, nowadays, uh, Ukraine is, uh, or Poland, is the closest ally to Ukraine. And uh, the Polish government was always in support of Ukraine joining European Union, joining, uh, uh, joining the European community, uh, being the equal member of uh, European community uh, as a such. As we know uh, now, uh, there's a war in Ukraine, and uh, over one million refugees to date, yes, have entered Polish borders. Polish borders, and and, and it's uh, it's worth mentioning and saying that um, you know uh, Poland and Ukraine have long and uneasy past. Um, some wounds. Um, that uh, probably will never be healed. However, um, we are standing, uh, as, a, as a country, uh, we are standing proud to do the right thing, to assist uh, and to stand for, uh, for harmony and for peace. Um, in that part of the world, we are affected by it as well, obviously not as bad as, as Ukrainian themselves, but it, it is uh, proud to be Polish um, in those times. So on that note, um, on that note, we probably finished that subject. And like I said, just to repeat after you, uh, Polish government and Polish people provide every possible support. continue with the topic of music and, and harmony, um, I would like to talk to you about a day that we celebrate in March. Uh, did you know that uh, since 2015 we celebrate World Piano Day? No, didn't know that. No, yes. World Piano Day. Um, it is celebrated every year since 2015, every year on the 88th day of the year. Wow. And it's because uh, it is the 88 is the number of keys of the ordinary piano. Of course, yes. <laughs> so this year it uh, falls on March 29th and it will be celebrated all around the world. It was founded by um, a group of um, like-minded people who aim to create a platform for piano-related projects. 
um, and that aims to promote the development of music and to share the joy of playing that particular instrument. Um, it started with a German pianist and composer, um, Niels Fram, who, um, as I said, in 2015 initiated that, uh, that day. And uh, when he was asked why uh, do we need a World Piano Day, he said, I quote, for many reasons, but mostly because it doesn't hurt to celebrate piano and everything around it. So uh, performers, composers, piano builders, tuners, movers, and most importantly, listeners of piano mm -hmm. and lovers of piano music. The idea behind um, behind that day and to celebrate uh, to celebrate the World Piano Day was to celebrate uh, the piano across the world by holding events, performances, uh, masterclasses, lectures, etc., etc. Since its launch, World Piano Day has gained immense popularity. Um, with participation from um, not only pianists, but also promoters and organizers, distributors, technicians, and, and basically piano enthusiasts. So I think it's actually a very good idea to celebrate it. Another, another day of, uh, another way of celebrating um, classical music, uh, in a sense. And, um, um, and another the opportunity to listen to classical exactly, music. Exactly, exactly. So why not listening to piano music all day on the 29th of March? Why not? Just for a change. Yes. Just on that note, do you know um, who created and um, or invented the first piano? No, I wouldn't that know was, that. But. That was Bartolomeo Cristofori oh. of Padua. That was um, in 17th century. And... Um, Obviously, that was a very simple instrument at the time. Uh, in the 17th century, century and later, the modern structure of that instrument has um, um, has changed. And what we have now uh, is, is what was created throughout the years and, and established. So um, all the alter alterations to the original um, piece of, um, of, of that um, music um, instrument um, were a result of the performances and co of composers and pianists who wanted more uh, powerful um, and sustained sound. So obviously that developed to that to that um, stage. Over time, the tonal range of the piano was also increased from the five to the seven octaves that can be found in the modern day piano now. So here we are, a little bit of history of the piano. Mm. And speaking about the piano... Uh, and, and the and the piano players, it's it's actually impossible not to mention Polish International Chopin Piano Competition mm -hmm. um, that uh, takes place uh, every five years, uh, and it's often referred to as Chopin Chopin Competition. Uh, it is held in Warsaw, capital of Poland. It was initiated in 1927, um, so it's nine, 95 years ago, and has been held ever, every five years since 1955. Mm -hmm. It is one of the very few competitions around the world that has been devoted entirely to the works of one single composer. So um, in this case, obviously, Frédéric Chopin. Uh, the competition is currently organized by the Frédéric Chopin Institute. Um, the 2020 competition was delayed because of COVID and it took place a year later in 2021. And it has been, um, it has been won. The, the recent winner of that competition is Bruce Liu of Canada. 
um, very often this this competition is is a is a way of um, launching the careers of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I remember in 1975 it was Christian Zimmerman, the mm. Polish Polish pianist, who um, who won this competition. So uh, obviously a lot of careers started at that competition. I'm sure Bruce's Bruce's competition is going uh, sorry Bruce's career is going to start uh, or has started the as well. So why don't we uh, listen to um, him playing uh, a piece of Chopin, uh, which is Waltz in A major, Opus 42. And that was uh, from the competition, um, Chopin competition, 18th uh, Chopin competition. Uh, And here is Bruce Leo of Canada. Enjoy. Thank you. 
welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that piece of music. Now, uh, we are now at the section of our program that we promised we are going to have every single month uh, this year, simply because we celebrate 150 years of Polish legacy in New Zealand. Um, it was 150 years ago since the arrival of early Polish settlers. So there's going to be a few celebrations happening across the country. Um, alongside uh, different communities uh, throughout the year. And uh, we promise that our program, uh, radio program, will have a section on Polish legacy in New Zealand every single month. And we are going to introduce to you either uh, Polish legacy places or talk interesting people, places, facts, uh, historical events and so forth. So here's our chapter on Polish legacy in New Zealand. And since we are talking about music and harmony, uh, we are going to talk to you about Musical Museum in mm. New Zealand. This museum is placed uh, is based in uh, on Waiheke Island, and it's called Whitaker Museum. What's so special about it? Hmm. Uh, museum started in 1996 um, by the couple um, of um, of. New Zealanders, Lloyd and John Whitaker, who uh, for years had collected musical instruments from either secondhand shops or antique dealers on, and uh, various old sheds located around New Zealand. Some of the instruments they, um, they bought themselves, some of them were gifted uh, by various individuals, and, um, and they had a selection of, uh, of musical um, um, instruments and hence created a museum. So what that has to do with Polish legacy in New Zealand? Well, um, the centerpiece in that museum is world-famous Polish musician Padarewski's 1897 Grand Piano. Bechstein Concert Grand Piano that was brought to, to New Zealand in 1904 for uh, the famous pianist Australian tour, and it's still used for many of the museum's concerts. Wow. So once again, hmm. Ignacy Jan Padarewski, uh, famous statesman and, and uh, world-known pianist, toured New Zealand and Australia on two occasions, but in 1904, he brought uh, a piano with him. He often actually uh, traveled with his own piano, and he brought that piano all the way from Poland to New Zealand for his concerts, and that piano is still here in New Zealand, in that museum. Um, Ignacy and Padareski often traveled, uh, as I said, with, with, his, uh, with his piano. He toured New Zealand in 1904 and 1927. The first uh, tour concluded in, um, in Auckland at His Majesty's Theatre. And um, rather than shipping the piano back to Europe, Padareski decided to sell it. And he sold it to Mr. J.B. McFellan of Epsom in Auckland, mm -hmm. whose family owned this piano for 96 years. Uh, the original um, instrument was beautifully restored. Um, throughout the years, there were, there were certain things um, happening uh, to, that, to that piece of instrument. And around 2000, uh, around 2000 the bodywork was completed and, and that, um, that piano was completely refurbished. Um, Whitaker Museum purchased the piano from, from the grandson of McFarland's family in 2001, and the piano has uh, since been 
on display um, with uh, replaced and refurbished and so forth. Um, so it's still in a, in a working condition. So here is a piece of Polish legacy. Um, on Waikiki Island. On Waikiki Island. Um, it is accompanied by a, a plaque dedicated to Ignacian Padarewski. That was a plaque um, which was um, presented to the muse- museum, mm-hmm. a part of the project that uh, New Zealand Embassy had a, f- a couple of years ago, um, celebrating different places um, or, or different Polish people. Uh, interest, um, famous people, um, and and one of those plaques was dedicated to Ignacian Paderewski, and that plaque is now also at the Whitaker Museum. So, if in Auckland, and you would like to travel to Waikiki Island for various reasons, you might as well decide to visit the Whitaker Musical Museum, where there is a grand piano, old grand piano that Ignacian Paderewski used to play. Thank you. That's interesting. So here we are with this little bit of Polish legacy in New Zealand. To conclude on that, how about a piece of uh, piano music? And that piano music is going to be our our jingle. What we call it in radio talk, um, this is um, a, a jingle that we decided to be our signature jingle of our program, which is uh, La Zuzi for Suzanne, uh, composed by... Uh, Marek Tomaszewski from the duo Marek and Vacek. Um, we play it every every program at the very beginning. But that's quite quite a unique tune. But here's the whole piece of it. I hope you enjoy it.
Goodbye. You are listening to Polish Waves on Plains FM. We are here every second Friday of the month at 8 p.m. And then you can find us on Spotify under Polish Waves. Look up our Facebook page, Between the Waters, Polish Legacy in New Zealand. And tune in live next month on Friday, April the 8th. Do usłyszenia! We were once again listening to a trumpet call from Krakow, from St. Mary's Basilica, uh, replaced by the Ukrainian anthem on March the 3rd at midday as a symbolic gesture of support to people of Ukraine.